Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. After a very frightening and scary special DOFO show, the question is, where's the beef? Let's get to it. Man, I hope you are good and scared. I hope you are frightened by two things. One, surging case counts and what's going on in the province of Ontario. And two, the lack of action by this government. What we heard from Doug Ford this morning does not make sense. It doesn't make any sense. And it worries me so much. It was a very frightening dofo show at a very special time this morning as we had the bajabbers scared out of all of us. And since our political and health leaders are so concerned about a virus that moves at lightning speed, we will return on Tuesday with another episode of a very scary dofo show. Tuesday. Let that sink in for a moment. I'm going to take you through what we heard and tell you why you should be frightened, not by the case counts, not only, absolutely you should be frightened by the case counts. That's the number one thing. But you should be concerned and worried about a government that thinks that perhaps you're a toddler? I mean, this is the most charitable thing I can come to, is that, you know, and I remember this when my kids were younger, you would say, you know, it's like 20 minutes before bedtime, you know, your bedtime's coming up. And then 10 minutes later, 10 minutes to bedtime. And then five minutes to bedtime. I mean, you do this because you want to telegraph what's coming in the hope that maybe you might stave off a meltdown. Is that what the Ford government thinks of us? I'm onto him like an 800-pound gorilla, and he's only a little guy. That's right. 800-pound gorillas out there. Let's get to it. This is what we heard. This is what Doug Ford said at 10 o'clock this morning. Go ahead, I, I just Doug. can't stress this enough. I've never, never stressed this so much, all the way going back to March, than now. We are in a crisis. That's how I can describe it. It is scary. It is scary. We have a record case count again. A serious situation. You have my attention, Premier. This is so, so serious. Matter of fact, this is the most serious situation we've ever been in, ever, ever, since the beginning of this pandemic. I can't stress this enough. This is the most serious situation we have been in since the beginning of the pandemic, says the Premier. And then, the Associate Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Barbara Yaffe, she hits the stage. Doc? Today's numbers are, to be frank, they are scary. Again with the scary. All right. Again, you have my attention. I don't like scary movies. I don't like frightening things. I don't care for it. I don't want, I don't understand people who pay good money to go to a theater to have themselves just scared witless. I don't get that. 
So I don't like scary. Scary's not my thing. Again, we are dealing with a virus that moves quickly. Does not wait. The modeling is is a wake-up call to anyone that that, have seen it. Uh, We're going to roll that out uh, early next week. That is what Doug Ford then said. The modeling, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. So from what he just said, it would appear that Doug Ford knows what the modeling is, if not in detail. He certainly knows what the trends are. We just heard from the doctor about the scary numbers. And what, I'm sorry, what about next week? What? Go ahead. The Doug. modeling is, is a wake-up call. Uh, when you see the modeling, I think it's coming out Monday um, or Tuesday, something somewhere early. I think it's Tuesday, actually. Um, there's going to be a wake-up call, a real wake-up call. And no matter what the federal government, what no matter what the provincial government does, municipal governments, if we don't have the cooperation of the people, this is going to get out of hand. I, I, I just can't stress it enough. Please, please just follow the protocols. We're in a desperate situation and when you see the modeling, uh, you know you'll you'll fall off the uh, fall off your chair. Everything is on the table right now. There will be further measures because this is getting this is getting out of control. And we have to do whatever it, it takes. There is a lot in what you just heard to unpack. So let's let let's. Why don't you just pick yourself up off your chair? Well, actually, you're still on your chair. You're waiting until Tuesday to fall off your chair. You're good on your chair until now. You're not going to fall off the chair until Tuesday. The Premier's seen the numbers. Terrifying. Scared. He's. I, I have watched the Dofo show every single time. I don't think I've. I don't know if I've missed one or two. Maybe a couple here from the beginning of the pandemic. I haven't heard the Premier like this. I, I haven't heard him disconcerned and rattled. Rattled. I think that's. I think that would be a fair description. And what you heard him just say, what you heard him just say is that there are going to be more restrictions. Is that not what you heard? But what are we waiting for? Well, the modeling's coming on Tuesday. Tuesday. You're going to fall off your chair. Why aren't we do why are we waiting until Tuesday? Again, everything is on the table except for action. Let's get back to Dr. Yaffe with the truth. I think we do need to consider more serious measures, um, perhaps similar to what happened in the spring, and looking at other um, jurisdictions, what they have done and what has worked, um, so that we can get ourselves out of this. Dr. Barbara Yaffe, we need to look at other jurisdictions and see what has worked. You know what has worked in other jurisdictions? Hard lockdowns. And you know why I know this? is uh, the last modeling update, one of the key doctors on the health table, Dr. Brown, said, here's what they did in Australia. Curfew, hard lockdown, travel restrictions. It worked. Here's what they did in France. Hard lockdown, travel restrictions, curfew, and it worked. And where are we now? Weeks have passed. Little has been done. We waited until 
inexplicably, we waited until Boxing Day to lock down the province. And we wait, and we wait. You don't have to be a doctor to look at the numbers and see the trend line and think, (laughs) I don't see that going down. Like if you're on a roller coaster and the thing is going tick, 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 tick on the way up, now you know when you're going over the top, you're not like, well, suddenly we're going the way down. No, you're going to know. You get that moment where you hang over the edge. Well, we don't have that here in the COVID universe in Ontario. We are on the way up. And it is impossible, impossible to square the tone of the press conference I just watched, that we just saw, with the need to wait until Tuesday to find modeling numbers that will then inform the health table, and then what do we do? We, well, we get the Dr. Williams, and who can tell what in the world that guy's talking about? We wait until Dr. Williams can then make a recommendation to the health table, and that goes to cabinet, and that's a week from now. So next Friday... Seven days after the super scary, everybody freak out press conference, we might be doing something. Stand by. A very special Dofo show. Let's give this a shot. Oh, my goodness. I'm not the only one. I'm just, if, if I just glance at Twitter, doctor after doctor. After doctor is tweeting, act now. If you see the modeling numbers and they're frightening and I'm going to fall off my chair. And the percent positivity is so bad that kids can't go back to school on Monday. we got to go for two more weeks. Oh, by the way, thanks so much for waiting till Thursday afternoon to let us know about that. Appreciate it. In our next segment, Caroline Alfonso from the Globe and Mail will be with us. I'm going to talk about that. I'll play you a Doc Williams, a Doc, <laughs> something that Doc Williams said yesterday that just, like, are you serious? Well, you know the the he, he actually says the, the you know the virus moves very quickly. You can't tell all this sort of stuff. Okay, why don't we apply that to actually acting? I don't understand I, that. I, thanks, Doc. I don't get you, man. I don't get you. I don't get you putting it on us all the time either. I don't get this. It, and it's the doctor, and it's the premier, and they're up there, and it's all on you. Cool your jets with the party. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Uh, here's my... But point, I'm going to sum this up, and we're going to take a quick break, and Caroline Alfonso will be with us, and I'm going to play more of that uh, press conference from uh, Doc Williams, who's a walking Mobius strip, like the guy is an Escher painting come to life. But I'll play that for you, and you got to hear it. You just absolutely have to hear it. But this is my sum up, is that there is no way that you could listen to what our political leaders just told us today and not expect some kind of action. And if that, if you've come to that conclusion, then the next logical step is to say, well, then what in the world is the wait? 
Why are we waiting? Why are we waiting a Boxing Day? Why are we waiting a Tuesday? Why? There's no good answers. You scared yet? You scared enough? You worried enough? They're bringing in a mobile morgue in Windsor. Right? Starting to have to move people from hospital to hospital to, you know, free up space. You still one of those people who are like, I don't know anybody who's got COVID. It's the flu. Is that you? Because Doug Ford style, you need to give your head a shake. And while we're shaking heads, maybe we can just shake the provincial government just a little bit, just lightly, just maybe by the lapels, just, hey, hold on, hey, still with us? Because we're still, we're out here trying to figure out what's going on, and then the Thursday afternoon, we're like, well, kids aren't going back to in-class school, even though the the, uh, minister of... Education just days prior had assured parents that absolutely, no, absolutely, January 11th, we're all going, they're all going back. No problems. Nothing to see here. I think what happened is that uh, Stephen Lecce was so burned by the last time he opened his gut. By, I can't, he just can't get the shoe leather out of his face. Man. So you remember when he, you know, mused that maybe the Christmas break would have to be extended and parents went, what? And and then he was like, nope, no, 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 it's all good. No, it's not. That's not going to happen. It's not. A, no. And then of course that's exactly what happened. And then last weekend he's like, no, well, the kids are going back to school, and everybody, all the parents were like, well, thank goodness for that. And then it turns out that that's not the case. And then I asked about it today. Here, here's a little Stephen Lecce gold for you right here. The risk profile obviously has risen in the second wave. We're cognizant of that. For weeks, we've been working on a plan. We were going to operationalize it for Monday the 11th, obviously with the extension of students staying on the virtual learning. Uh, we have more time to work with the Chief Medical Officer of Health to roll it out. Oh, he's going to optimize the implementation of the risk profiler. I don't even know anymore. Caroline Alfonso is the Globe and Mail's education reporter and a regular contributor to this program. I'm always pleased to have you here. Caroline, I'm frustrated. <laughs> Sorry about that, Alan. <laughs> I feel like, but it was inevitable. I, you know, if I, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, he said in that letter over the weekend to parents, "Your elementary kids are going back to school." I was, I was so doubtful about that um, because we've kind of, as you said, heard this story before. We've heard the story back in March. Um, remember the longest March ever, <laughs> where they kept extending the um, the closure by a week, by two weeks, by a month, um, and then just before the Christmas break, he was, you know, he was posed with the question about will kids be out of school longer, and was told the media was told no, and then just days later, the answer was yes. So I feel. I'm sorry to Helen <laughs> and all parents out there, but, you know, speaking with doctors and educators, um, you know, when we're hitting 4,000 cases a day, uh, how do you keep it out of schools uh, is the big question. You know, and I, I don't, 
I don't quibble with the decision, really. I don't. I mean, I, no, I, I, I see the evidence. I, I see the numbers. I see the case numbers. I'm, I, you know, the, the thing that frustrates me, and I think a lot of people, is, is the communication. I don't think it was necessary to have done that. I think, you know, like all parents, you, uh, Shiba Siddiqui, my producer, has got four mm-hmm. kids. I mean, when we all heard that from the minister, we thought, well, that does not add up. It doesn't make sense. And here's something that doesn't make sense to me as well. I want to play this for you. Here is Dr. Williams. Uh, talking about, you know, what he was kind of hoping to see uh, coming out of the quote-unquote soft lockdown that went into place on the 26th. Here's Doc Williams. What I'd like to see in the next few days and be proven that the lockdown had worked, it's, uh, it's a soft lockdown, that, and see those numbers start to come cascading down and percent positivity come down, I'd be one of the happiest persons in that. So that's why we delayed till now. Is Dr. Williams um, with something that I just really stuck out to me, and I'm speaking with Caroline Alfonso, who's the Global and Mail's education reporter, because I have, I don't think I, I've ever heard or seen any doctor who thought that the numbers were going to start coming cascading down because of that lockdown. No. And, I mean, the province's own modeling from, you know, uh, not too long ago showed that the numbers were going up. Um, I mean, it's, you know, I agree with you totally, Alan. It's the communication. Parents want some certain, I mean, you can't give certainty during the pandemic. I understand that. But when you see numbers going up and your own modeling numbers are showing you that cases are rising, don't you need to take proactive measures instead of, you know, giving families and teachers sort of just a couple of days notice before you extend a closure? Isn't that a reasonable ask right now? given the stress that, you know, I'm seeing on social media and among people that I talk to, given the stress that people are under about having children at home, when your own modeling figures are showing you this, I feel like there is a missed opportunity here from this government to sort of be proactive about things, to communicate it properly, and to make decisions ahead of time so that, you know, people are not scrambling at the very last minute. And that that's ex- extends to what we saw this morning, what we heard this morning, does it not? I don't know if you watched the very special DOFO show at 10 or 10.20 this morning. Um, it was a very frightening DOFO show, um, very somber, and again, a lot of talk about modeling numbers that we're not going to see until Tuesday, and no action, Caroline. But here's the thing. I mean, I spoke with the Minister of Education yesterday when, you know, they decided to extend the school closure. And I said to him, what are you putting in place over the next two weeks that can guarantee that kids and teachers and educators and school staff can come back to school safely in two weeks' time? What is it that's going to change between now and then that I as a parent, not only as a reporter, but I as a parent will feel confident sending my children back into the classroom? And there was talk, you know, things are coming. Things are coming. Well, you know, right now, two weeks is not a very long period of time. Are you, are you going, you know, one of my questions is, are you going to mandate masks for kids? This is a simple thing. Are you going to mandate masks for kids who are grade four and under? Because while some school boards have done that, it's not right across. It's not a province-wide thing. We're con- and the response is, we're considering that. Are you going to test more widely in schools? 
while we're working on that. Well, you know, is our schools going to open? Is there a guarantee that schools are going to open in two weeks? And he said, well, we would like that to happen. That is our fundamental goal. But I, I'm so I'm so on the fence right now about the fact that everything can come together or what they have planned, which we are in the dark about, can come together over the next two weeks for schools to reopen safely. And, and this sort of kind of goes to, you know, what we've been through this week, which is, and, and we'll know more when we see the modeling numbers on Tuesday, and I can't mm-hmm. believe we're waiting until Tuesday, but anyway, we'll see it on Tuesday. And I think all of us as parents will be able to interpret the numbers and we'll be like, well, the kids are not going back. But then we'll have to wait until a couple of days beforehand to actually have a confirmation of something we already know. Exactly. I I just, I I feel <laughs> this conversation is so depressing, Alan. I'm sorry about <laughs> breaking it. Oh, yeah. I, I know, I know it is. Let's, let, let's just so bring depressing. it up for one. Just give me, give me one, something to hope for here. Caroline, because I, I do feel down here on a Friday. Um, in your reporting and, and you're talking to parents and stuff like that, g- give me some kind of hopeful sign that, you know, people are being able to navigate it and and that there are success stories out there. I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, my sample size, my own, my own household. And I have to say, teachers are doing really a really good job under the circumstances. I have two children, as you know, nine and six. In, at home right now, learning at home, and totally engaged in, in schooling. It's not, you know, what they would love. They would love to be in their classroom with their friends, but they, the teachers are doing a fantastic job at keeping them engaged. And I'm hearing bits of that right across the province. People are saying that. Families are are happy and relieved that teachers are engaging kids. They're, you know, they're not every kid can sit in front of a screen for this many hours of a day learning. So, of course, there are situations where, you know, it has been frustrating and how to deal with it. But by and large, I think teachers are doing a good job at trying to sort of keep that schooling model and keep that learning model uh, there for students so that they have some sort of stability and they have some sort of scheduling because, you know, the thing that students need is a schedule. They need to know that they can wake up in the morning and be someplace and be doing something, and they're getting that. Caroline, let's, that's great. I appreciate that. And I, man, do I ever concur that it is not the same as it was in March. The kids are not as adrift as, as they were. So uh, kudos to those teachers that are, are going the extra mile. Caroline Alfonso is the Globe and Mail's education reporter and a regular contributor to this program. I always appreciate you being on. Please take care. You too. Thanks, Alan. Welcome back to the program. The last of Alex Trebek's 8,200 episodes as host of Jeopardy! will air tonight. The Sudbury-born host died November 8th at the age of 80 after a lengthy battle with pancreatic cancer. Trebek had pre-taped several weeks of shows that have continued to air, recording the final episode just 10 days before he died. The executive producer of Jeopardy, Mike Richards, says there's a reason why Trebek continued hosting throughout his 18-month cancer fight. Trebek loved the show and everything it stood for. His last week of shows was originally scheduled to air on Christmas week, but the show held them back until now to give Trebek's final week wider exposure. There are no goodbye speeches to end the show. Trebek simply says, 
We'll see you next time. My next guest was on Jeopardy recently and joins me now, Gabe DeRoche. Hi, hey, Alex. Gabe, how are you? I'm, I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's great to, great to speak with you. Great to talk to you again. I, Gabe and I actually know each other. Gabe used to be a political staffer at Queen's Park back when I was uh, Queen's Park Bureau Chief. So great to speak to you again, Gabe. And what an right. experience. It, it must have been something extraordinary to have been on that program, especially uh, so late to the run in the run. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it really was, you know, a, a, a highlight of a pretty, you know, difficult year for for a lot of people. Um, and such an honor, of course, to be able to be um, to be on Jeopardy while while Alex was uh, was still was still alive, was still hosting. Um, that uh, it it meant so much to be one of the, I think one of one of the the, the last few contestants that was able to um, be on the show with him. How was Alex when you were there? Um, how did he seem? You know, there was there was absolutely no sign that he was that he wasn't feeling well. He was ever the uh, the the consummate professional and the you know the the sort of legendary broadcaster. Um, there was, you know, of course, we had no no, no sense that uh, that anything was wrong, and I think that you know speaks to his. His professionalism uh, throughout, and why you know why he why he is such a legend. I want to play this for you and for our audience. This is the moment when they come back from uh, the first break, where uh, Alex has a little kibitz with each of the contestants, and here is where he was speaking with you. Gabriel, I have some good news for you. Because we gave Dozen in the clue a little while ago about the 12 apostles, we are going to credit you with a correct score. So you you. move up to 600, you're in a tie with Becca. Now, you were a child opera star, is that correct? I don't know if I would say star, but an opera singer, yes. I grew up in Toronto, and uh, I performed on stage with the Canadian Opera Company. And then uh, was on television as well. It was. Uh, did you get to tour with the company also? I did not. It was all. It was all local. All local. Yeah. Okay. That is a segment of the December tenth episode. I believe it's December tenth yep. of uh, Jeopardy, uh, featuring Gabe DeRoche, who is my uh, guest on the program, as we talk about the final episode featuring Alec Trebek, which will air tonight. Give me a sense of how you get to be a contestant. You you have to do a, some kind of a, a trivia thing in advance. How do you get in there? Oh yeah, there's a there's a, a series of tests and then auditions that you have to go through. The first it it was a long process. I think the first test that uh, I did was online and I think I think anyone can sign up, but they call it the anytime test. So I did that all the way back. It's probably about a year ago. Um, and then you sort of waited a few months. I guess they, you know, they were seeing uh, seeing how everybody did. And I got the call in, uh, I think it was about in June or maybe early July, to take another test. Uh, so you take an, a second test, and then you have your audition where they ask you questions, and I guess they make sure that you're, um, I don't know, you're, you're 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 not too weird to be on television. <laughs> Although, you know, Jeopardy's got, uh, the contestants are, uh, are yeah. a fun bunch, but, uh, yeah, the, so you go through the audition process, and then, uh, yeah, you, I, I got through that, and that was probably in August, and then they told me I was going to be, uh, I was going to be on the show, and, uh, that happened, we filmed in, uh, in late September. 
like like so many families and so many households, Jeopardy is just a, a regular in my house. You know, we often watch dinner and, you know, try and shout out the answers and, and not spit our food on each other at the same time. Uh, and so I often wonder, like, how possibly can you study? Did you study in advance? I, you know, I tried. As, so as a Canadian, I was really worried that there were going to be all these questions about, you know, what's the capital of Idaho and stuff like that, that I just, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not part of my, uh, my, my schooling, let's just say. But uh, so I tried to study like my kind of U.S. geography, like American Civil War, that kind of stuff. And because uh, I thought that's probably where I'm, I'm weakest. If there's, a, if there's a category, actually, in my audition, there was a category called Canadian Cities. And I, uh, I really cleaned up on that, <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I always, I'm always mystified by the number of questions about uh, American college sports teams, and I that is something I know nothing about. And mm-hmm. is, is is was there a blind spot like presidents? Like that that's always comes up. The presidential history yeah. always comes up. Yeah, I tried to I tried to memorize as many of the presidents and like the order and you know that that kind of stuff because that's yeah that's the stuff where I think they're. Canadians might be at a bit of a disadvantage, but um, so yeah, I would say that that was probably my my blind spot there. Some of the kind of U.S. U.S. geography, and so I tried to study up on that. I ended up actually not <laughs> not getting any questions like that. My I think I think my, the worst one that I I I I, I confused I, uh, a porcupine and a hedgehog, and uh, they showed a picture, and I thought it was a porcupine. It was actually a hedgehog. I'm never going to live that one down. <laughs> it's, it's always tough when you get it wrong, and then Alex said, no, yep. that's, and he tells you what it is, and oh, I just, you just, even when you're not on the show, even at home with my mouth full of food, I feel terrible when I get them wrong. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, and I got a few of them wrong. I, the, the episode is aired, so I'm not spoiling anything, but uh, yeah, there were, were, there were a few that I uh, didn't do so well on. Yeah, and it turns out that I guess the returning champion kind of cleaned up on that night. Yeah, it was. I got. She had. She had this like inhuman buzzer speed. It. You know. It, it all comes. It all comes down to, to buzzer speed. I think the only questions that I actually got it got to answer were the ones where she didn't. You know. She. She decided not to buzz or something because. Uh, yeah, she was. Uh, she was a machine. All right. You. You want to play a little trivia with me here on the show? Play a little trivia. With me? Uh, I can I could try, Alan. This is uh, yeah. Okay. I, all right. Well, uh, today's uh, today's trivia is all about the Dofo Show. The Dofo Show, <laughs> Fo Show, the Doug Ford Show. Uh, trivia with Gabe, a former contestant on Jeopardy. All right. Here we go. Uh, Doug Ford is Ontario's 26th Premier. His late father preceded him in the chamber, but lost his seat after losing a nomination battle to this former MPP who has also passed on. Oh, um, was it, uh, was it Flaherty? Who is, who is Jim Flaherty? Oh, I'm, I'm very sorry. Uh, it's a hedgehog. No, it was uh, <laughs> former Speaker Chris Stockwell. Uh, in okay. that case. All right, one more. Here we go. Uh, we got two more, actually. Uh, an investigative report by the Globe and Mail. This is a gimme. An investigative report by the Globe and Mail, published in May of 2013, alleged that Doug Ford sold this in the 1980s. <laughs> now, I attempted to say labels and tags, 
but I, I don't I don't think that's right. Is it? Uh, I got to go with. Uh, it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be narcotics, Alan. What uh, are narcotics? Yeah, I, I'm going to have to ask for a more specific answer to that. Was he? Uh, what What is marijuana? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gabe. It's what is hashish? Hashish mm. is the answer. Ooh. The Global Mail publishing in May of 2013 allegations that Doug Ford had sold hashish in the 80s. Doug Ford threatened okay. to sue, but then never did, saying it would be a waste of time. Our third and final question. Uh-oh. Okay, final Jeopardy? The final Jeopardy. This is for all the marbles here. <laughs> uh, Doug Ford says that he makes his favorite dessert, cheesecake, this way. Makes makes cheesecake this way. Um, what, <laughs> hmm. uh, what is with love, Alan? That is an excellent, excellent guest. Uh, Doug Ford is with us. Doug Ford, how do you make a cheesecake? I do it from scratch. He does it from scratch. <laughs> Okay. All right. Fair, fair enough. You know, I, I, I did about as well in this trivia uh, segment as I did on Jeopardy. So this is... Uh, <laughs> it fits. It works. Gabe, uh, great to talk to you again. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks again for being on. Uh, thanks. Nice to talk to you, too, Alan. That is Gabe DeRoche, who was a contestant on Jeopardy. Uh, his uh, episode aired back in December. Tonight is the final episode featuring Alec Trebek, Alex Trebek, pardon me, as host. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with me this week here on Global News Radio. I do truly appreciate it. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget the Alan Carter Show live weekdays starting at noon.